Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Agenda, the date-focused note-taking app for iPad, iPhone, and Mac. Learn more at agenda.com. What started with the Newton and carried over into iPhone or uh, smartphones in general and tablets is definitely the, the liberation from being in this fixed position in front of a computer. So I definitely saw myself using the iPad in all sorts of different situations back then where I would never have pulled up a, a, a computer or even just a small laptop. And there the modularity really played in well. I was able to set up a more computer like configuration if I wanted to, or I could make it super slim and just carry it in my hand and use it while walking and, and things like that. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. For this episode, I'd reached out to the chief marketing officer at Magnolia CMS. He wrote an article back in 2016 sharing his experiences using the then new iPad Pro as his primary computer. It is an article that got enough traction to warrant a call from Apple to have a conversation with him about his experiences. As you'll hear, the iPad to him really is a device that lets you focus and think through problems in a way a traditional computer just doesn't offer. He offers an interesting vantage point as the iPad gains more and more features with iPad OS and worries a bit on the balance between features and being able to stay focused with a simple OS. Anyways, I'd highly encourage you to read his Medium post, which is linked to in the show notes, or you can search the web for making an iPad Pro my primary computer, and it's not a test. With that said, I just want to remind everyone that you can support the podcast by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, by supporting today's sponsor, Agenda, or by joining the Patreon. Every single tier of the Patreon will grant you early access to episodes of the podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash iPadPros to sign up and learn more. With that said, here's my interview with Rasmus. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Rasmus. Can you first introduce yourself and kind of how you use the iPad currently? Sure, thanks. I'm Rasmus Skelden. I'm the chief marketing officer at a software company called uh, Magnolia, based out of Switzerland and with offices around the world. Right now, I'm sort of still in recovery after a really heavy experiment with the iPad that I ran for some time. And right now I'm sort of using it more as, in a, in a more standard way than, than I tried uh, to do with the iPad Pro when it first came out. Excellent. Yeah, and I came across you from your Medium post as you wrote about back then in 2016, making the iPad Pro your primary computer. You since switched back to laptop because your work requires these Java applications that you just can't run on iOS. So... What was kind of your job at the time when you wrote that and how long did you use the iPad Pro as your primary computer? I think I used it as my primary and and pretty much only computer for a full year. And back then I was working first as a lead content strategist in marketing here and also starting product management work back then. And then when I fully went into product management, I I needed to be able to run those custom Java applications. So that's kind of the, the background. Okay. And what aspects of using the iPad do you miss the most now that you've gone back to a laptop? So the uh, Apple Pencil is uh, something I, I miss a lot for sure. Also, just not 
dealing with files. I mean, back then, before the uh, the new iOS, one of the things that I really loved about it was that it sort of removed me from a lot of the stuff you need to do on a computer just to, to do your work and your tasks. I specifically just sort of loved the restrictions of the iPad back then, but it's been a couple of years since I ran that uh, big experiment. Okay. And did you have any frustrations with using iOS back then for a year? And have any of those been solved with the release of iPadOS? Uh, for sure. The big one uh, was really the ergonomics. Back then, if you used an iPad for 7, 8, 9, 10 hours a day, and you're lifting up your hand to the screen, I mean, hundreds of times a day, it kind of gets a little painful. And I was missing the mouse for sure back then. And so that would be... One of the features that I think makes uh, the new version interesting is is the cursor and the mouse support. Yeah, I am using that for extensive sections, and it's really a, a game changer as far as yeah, just interacting with the device, not having to reach up and interact with the device in that way. Exactly. I mean, I, I always wanted to back then. I had an external keyboard, and I just always wanted to kind of lift that screen up somehow, but then I had to my arm up even higher, so that really didn't work. Yeah, and we'll talk about later that whole concept of modularity, adding a mouse makes it even more modular than it was back when you wrote that article. Indeed, exactly. And it's sort of, I mean, I just question as well if, if that then is putting the iPad on a track towards becoming the, the more regular computer, of course, uh, where you don't have that direct interaction with the screen and, and your finger. I'm not a huge fan of what I'm seeing going on at the moment now with, with the new versions, but specifically the, the cursor or the mouse support was a real issue back then. Another issue I had back then or frustration was about simply just clicking through forms or getting through forms is just... Uh, uh, sort of a nightmare and still is on, on iOS and, and iPad OS in general. As in just forms on websites or PDFs? Yeah, exactly. Just making sure that you're in the right form field, that it has focus and that you're kind of, you get there fast enough. I mean, that was, that was definitely painful back then. On a computer, I can just type through a form so much faster than on a, on an iPad, yeah, running the, the older version of iOS. Yeah. And something you mentioned in your post was not wasting time with window management was a strength. Do you think the implementation of the multiple windows in iPadOS keeps that waste of time to a minimum? Or has that been basically removed and on level playing field with traditional computing? So uh, what I see in the new version is a good balance, I would say. Uh, you can do a lot more now with the window management, and but it's still not completely freeform like you're used to with a computer. And I, I just really hate the amount of time I need to spend on rearranging windows to kind of be able to see everything I need to see at any given time. I absolutely love that about the iPad experience back then that I could simply just, I was sort of forced to focus. And it made me realize what the whole experience of running that experiment of only using it as my only computer for a year, it, it made me realize that it sort of made me work in a better way. It pointed towards me and, and sort of asking me to think instead of messing with Windows or messing with files. So I really saw that as a huge benefit in many ways because it simply just changed the way I, I was using the computer or the, the, the iPad back then. It made me... Uh, better at my job, really. Um, it's uh, a, a bit 
crazy to sort of see it uh, that way, but but that really was what happened because it just enabled me to or nudged me towards thinking more, clicking around less. Yeah, I think a lot of people believe they're great multitaskers, but in actual studies, I think five to fifteen percent, maybe maybe ten percent at max, are actually equipped to do multitasking and be productive in that way. And forcing you to focus, I think, yeah, is a strength that you mentioned there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's it's just uh, all of the product marketing we do for new Mac OS versions kind of uh, point you towards doing more multitasking, more tab management, more advanced multi-cloud management of your assets and all of that stuff. And it's really not going in the direction it should, which is to turn the, the computer to this awesome extension of yourself where you're sort of get into a focus and and where you can really do great work it's sometimes really the opposite that's going on and what i loved about the ipad back then was that it just nudged me into that different direction of focus yeah and then we mentioned modularity earlier now there's modularity from a hardware perspective but also the software perspective and i guess file access more particularly how does the ipad and ios compel you more to that versus you mentioned a Chromebook didn't kind of have that sensation for you that led you that direction. What about iOS and the iPad made that kind of click with you? When I was researching back then, when I ended up in that iPad experiment uh, back then, uh, when the first iPad Pro came out, I wanted that flexibility on the hardware side. It was really hard to find the same level of modularity in the MacBooks back then and sort of being just being able to use it without a keyboard or or with a keyboard or with the pencil or with fingers. All of that, those sort of different configurations were just extremely flexible compared to the computer laptop offerings back then. And is there, as far as file access, is there something about, say, Chrome OS that leads it is that OS more designed for you have Google Drive and that's it versus iOS that links into all the various providers in a more elegant way? I, I definitely prefer the Google uh, direction there. And and that's, again, a good example of what I love back then in terms of restrictions of the iPad that is obviously being removed now. Back then, I saw it as a, as a huge advantage that I didn't need to deal with files. I mean... I've been using computers for a couple of decades and sort of been having to deal a lot with file management. And then I could sort of just back then turn on cloud sync and and just have the applications mess with all of the background data handling. And I didn't need to manipulate files or manage files. So when I look at, from my point of view, when I look at the new iPad OS and iOS, the all of the introduction of file management there is is not a positive in my book. In no way, actually, it's sort of a a step backwards in something I want to do on a computer and definitely not on on an iPad. Yeah, to me, it seems to just be an evolution, and you're able to go about things as you had before. But if you want the extended support of doing that kind of management, you're able to. 
Yeah, I can definitely see the appeal for a lot of people if you're a photographer or a videographer and you, you want to use that more lightweight form factor you have with the iPad. That makes complete sense that you want to do that. But as a thinking tool, I mean, if you even go back to the, the old prototype or concept that Apple did way back before the Newton and everything as a, as, a, as a really hardcore thinking tool that allows you to tap into information and nudges you into thinking instead of pressing buttons. It's not moving forward in, in my book at the moment with, with iPad OS, but quite the opposite. Now, something that really connected me with me as I was reading your post was the difference between testing compatibility with the iPad for your web app or native app versus using it as your daily driver environment, your main computer that you actually get to experience what your app is like in day-to-day use. Well, what kind of discoveries did you stumble upon by actually using Magnolia CMS on your iPad versus just testing to make sure functions worked in it? Yeah, it made a huge difference. And I was quite surprised, actually, just how much of a difference I could feel and experience there. When you, you get all into all of those corner cases that you do when you're actually using a tool that is... Uh, something you see as your own sort of computer or extension of yourself. And that's so incredibly different from from just doing testing, like you said, functional testing. Does this work or not? And you don't capture all of those edge cases or corner cases if you're just testing if the thing works or not. So if you want to build any sort of software that's typically run on a computer, you need testers or not even testers, but actual users doing it on an iPad day in and day out to discover the the entire experience and how it's actually working and what isn't working so well. That, that was super interesting for me back then because we had designed the previous version of the Magnolia CMS to be one of the first enterprise-grade content management systems that would work with iOS where you could upload assets easily, for example, and where the, the form inputs would work and, and so forth. And actually, when I then started using it on my own iPad Pro, it actually did work. So it was a positive experience. Um, but the difference between testing and using is, is massive. Yeah. And something that's really improved with iPadOS is Safari. What kind of impacts do you think will this have on you know usability of the iPad in different environments that weren't available before? It is a huge difference, uh, no doubt about that. And it, it's also one of the most sort of uh, compelling new features that I see with iPadOS, being able to use uh, some of the really advanced web apps on the iPad without it going into any sort of mobile mode. That's a, that's a, a big step forward for sure. At the same time, though, getting a full-feature desktop class Safari browser is also kind of moving the iPad towards being a real computer and, again, moving it away from being this really great focused thinking tool for you. So I'm, I'm not so sure that I will personally end up uh, liking it so much, but um, I can definitely see the appeal from, from Apple's side there. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Agenda, the date-focused note-taking app for iPad, iPhone, and Mac. Agenda, if you still haven't tried it out, is a great note-taking app that really thoughtfully integrates your calendar and reminders into your notes. 
If you have a meeting coming up, you can use an agenda note to prepare for that meeting and have all of the information related to that meeting on hand by attaching any file. Or now with iOS 13 and iPadOS, you can do multi-page scans right within agenda. If you use the whiteboard at that meeting, you can also use Agenda to capture that whiteboard with your camera and include it with your notes so whatever work that needs to be done after is all in one place. Or, say that meeting was a virtual meeting, you can even save that video file as a part of that Agenda note. I love the organization system within Agenda. You can divide out the main aspects of your life or job, and from those main categories, create different projects for everything you are working on. You can mark notes as on the Agenda. These are the notes you are actively working on and need additional research or thought put into them before your deadline comes up. You can even link notes to a calendar event and that agenda note will then be in the description of that event in both the built-in calendar app and third-party apps where you can just click the link from the description in your calendar app and it'll pull up agenda. If you've ever tried using a task manager to take notes and were frustrated by that experience, give agenda a try. It's the note-taking app that can actually help you stay on track with work and personal projects. The best thing about Agenda is the free version is very full-featured, and the app doesn't nag you or penalize you for not being a premium user. It is a user-first design and one that provides a great atmosphere to work in. That said, there are some really nice premium features. For iPhone users with OLED displays, there is a special true dark mode that uses pure black that really shines on those more premium iPhones. The most recent addition that I'm loving as a premium user is the ability to annotate images in Agenda with the Apple Pencil. It's super useful being on the mark of the whiteboard I captured with my camera. And since the last episode I recorded, I've really started to take full advantage of the premium saved search feature to set up a forecast view within Agenda to give me an even better idea of what I need to be working on and putting thought towards to stay on track. Have a listen to episode 65 of this podcast to learn more about that and how do you save searches in a really effective way. When you do upgrade to get the premium features of Agenda, you aren't signing up for a yearly subscription plan. You get to keep every premium feature that is released in the next 12 months, and only if Agenda delivers new premium features you think are actually worth paying for do you have to pay again. The developers are constantly working on making you happy as a premium customer to earn your business again and again. To learn more, go to Agenda.com. And I'd really encourage you to download Agenda today for free from the App Store. There's so much available in that free version that I'd really encourage you to give it a shot. Thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at www.agenda.com. Back then, you were using the iSkelter Canvas Smart Desk. And one of the benefits that you shared is that you're able to have the iPhone and iPad kind of side-by-side propped up. And this is something I do myself in practice with two iPads, a big and a small one, and sometimes my phone's there as well. How in practice did you use your iPad and iPhone 6 Plus at the time uh, together as kind of multitasking between the two devices? Yeah, so a lot of work has to, for me, goes into or, or is about connecting bits and pieces. So if I see a signal in this application, it sort of drives me toward doing something different elsewhere. What I did was that I would say set up the 
the iPhone next to the iPad Pro, and then I would open up one application, obviously, on the on the iPhone that would sort of inform my choices on the iPad Pro, whether that's calendar or messaging or kind of just notes or whatever it was. That is different than opening up multiple applications on a computer because it's fixed. There's quite a lot of effort in changing the apps you have running on, on both the iPad Pro or the, the iPad and your and your iPhone compared to switching applications on a computer. That made me sort of be able to configure work environments where I had these two or three or four applications running at the same time on multiple devices and really made me become much better able to connect the data that I needed to connect to do my work. It's funny because you can do that on a computer, of course. If you do that on a, on Mac OS, for example, every time you switch windows between applications, then Mac OS will switch the application. So there's this sort of visual noise and distraction when you're doing that that I didn't have with the dual iPhone iPad setup. And I really, really missed that. And I, I'm sort of looking at the moment at how to get back to that and probably it'll end up with multiple iPads and a phone and, and some sort of um, uh, stand like the iSkelter or something similar. Now, did you investigate back then the Bluetooth keyboards that let you pair to multiple devices so you could type if you wanted to on your iPhone? I definitely did, and I, I was using that to switch between or whatever tool or app I was using. I don't really recall the name, but I was switching the, the one keyboard as input source for both the iPad and the and the iPhone. But it was a little clunky back then. I mean, it's three or four years ago now, so it, it wasn't always a smooth experience. Now, when you switched from your MacBook Pro to the iPad, you were using the Adobe apps, Photoshop, Illustrator, and InDesign. Those weren't needed with your new job, so you kind of didn't need a replacement. But if that was today, have you taken a look at Affinity Photo and Affinity Design? Are those kind of full feature enough to get the job done? Yeah, I haven't gone deep there. I, I think I'm a little biased there because I, I was a really heavy pro Photoshop user for uh, 15 years or so. So I don't really expect the any tablet apps to be on par with the full Adobe Photoshop experience anytime soon. I'm sure it'll get there one day, but I would always just return to a, a computer setup with a full version of Adobe Photoshop if I wanted to do serious um, photo manipulation. And then for like daily family use, of course, it's totally fine with what you can do on, on iOS and iPad OS and, and the apps that, that follow with it. But for like really pro use, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even try. Gotcha. For the things that didn't run on iOS, you did have a Mac Mini that you kind of used. How did that kind of play a role in your computing life back then? That was a decision completely out of fear on my part. Uh, when I switched to the iPad Pro, I made that setup because I was simply too scared to completely let go of the computer. But what happened was that after I got into really using the iPad Pro on a daily basis, I just didn't really use the Mac Mini, so it was just there to store some old files in case I ever needed them, but I never really did. I always found a workaround on the iPad back then, and I guess that also sort of just speaks about what kind of user I am, of course, because if you want to go bleeding edge, you'll always sort of be willing to find the workarounds to make something work. Back then, font installation was a crazy nightmare on the iPad, for example, but eventually I found a way to make it work. And, and I remember, for example, I did a, 
a presentation back in 2016, running from my iPad Pro over a projector, and then I used my Apple Watch to switch slides, for example, and things like that actually worked, but it just took a lot of prep work to get it to run properly. Yeah. Now, was there any friction at your workplace with you making the switch? Did coworkers or anyone else in your job kind of think twice about what you were doing? I was a relatively new employee at that moment, so I, there was definitely a good amount of, of curiosity and uh, maybe a bit of skepticism about uh, what was going on over there in the corner with that strange setup. But mostly it was just positive curiosity around, um, okay, is that actually possible to to get that to work efficiently uh, today back in 2016? Nothing negative uh, for sure. Oh, good. Yeah. And then something I just have to ask about is the Newton. I, I love the Newton. I had the Emate 300 and the final message pad and spent a great deal of time with those devices. And I'm curious, are there any aspects of that old Newton OS that you'd like to see come back in any shape or form in iPad OS or iOS? Yeah, that's a great question. I was really in love with the Newton. I spent an awful lot of time on, on that whole setup and running multiple versions of the of the Newton. And, and and in so many ways, it, it really was a an experiment that eventually led to the iPhone. If you look at how the, the Newton OS worked in terms of the apps and the sort of connectivity uh, between them and the modularity, there's a, so much you can you can see that eventually turned into iOS and the iPhone and later the, the iPad. So I remember that I was able to do incredible connections between different applications with some utilities on Newton OS that would allow you to sort of use data from different applications everywhere. So regardless of what app you opened up on Newton, you would be able to pull from contact details or calendar details in a way that I'm only sort of seeing happening right now. So many years later on, the interconnections or the interoperability between apps is, uh, that, that you had with the Newton. It's getting there now for sure, but it's taken a very long time. So those would be some of my uh, sort of uh, desires for where we are going from, from here and what we could use the, the huge Newton experiment for today. Interoperability between apps is, is key. Yeah. And you mentioned the Newton art in your article because it was kind of the first example in your life of modular computing. You'd hook up a keyboard to the Newton. You'd use it just in your hand with the stylus. With the iPad, you have that modularity as well as we talked about. How has that changed the way you worked from, from hardware modularity? Did you find yourself working on the couch at home more or like what kind of environments did you start the work in that you wouldn't have before? What started with the Newton and carried over into iPhone or uh, smartphones in general and tablets is definitely the, the liberation from being in this fixed position in front of a computer. So I definitely saw myself using the iPad in all sorts of different situations back then where I would never have pulled up a, a, a computer or even just a small laptop. And there the modularity really played in well. I was able to set up a more computer-like configuration if I wanted to, or I could make it super slim and just carry it in my hand and use it while walking and, and things like that. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And then some old-time computer users are concerned with backups, having you know three or more backups. And how do you view 
backup requirements in the age of cloud computing and your files being stored by other companies and not a single hard drive on your Mac like you had before. That's an interesting one. So, of, of course, there are people who are capable of being super disciplined about their backup strategies and, and making that work well for them. But if I look back at the years where I tried to do that over portable hard disks, and if I then compare the amount of data loss I saw from, you know, crash disks or drop disks or whatever. And I compare that to the data loss that I'm seeing now with backing up on cloud services only, not using any hard disks at all. It's just really quite clear that for someone like me, it works so much better to just rely on the cloud backup services. So that's what I'm doing. I would never buy uh, any sort of portable storage uh, again. Uh, I'm, I'm completely convinced that I'm only going to store uh, on cloud from now on and feel quite comfortable that if I pick a solid vendor um, in terms of cloud storage, it's going to be fine. But of course, I, I need to trust that decision. And it, it would certainly be terrible to lose all your photos, for example. At the same time, I'm, I'm also one of the digital minimalists and try to sort of decrease my reliance on having access to all my files from the last 30 years and and just sort of slim everything down. That's how I, I see that. But I can I can imagine other people with other types of work that they need to be more rigorous about the backup strategies for sure. Now, as we mentioned at the start, you have had to move back to a laptop. But at the end of the post, you mentioned that you'd like to maintain some kind of modular computing style that you discovered with iPad and the Newton. Have you been able to maintain that in any way or...? Certainly not enough. No, I have to admit that that has been really problematic to make that work after I switched back. And and right now I'm actually looking at uh, switching again. I, I definitely miss my iPad setup from back then. And now that with the introduction of the cursor and mouse support, I could totally see myself moving back now. And I I don't necessarily need to run custom Java applications anymore in my current job now. So I could totally see myself moving back. Excellent. And then USB-C support, is that an improvement to you over Lightning for the kind of work you do on an iPad? It's not really something that makes a big difference for me, to be honest. That wouldn't be any sort of factor that would be deciding for me to uh, uh, for the, the kind of work that I do now. And then closing out the interview... How do you view the current iPad landscape with, you know, you have keyboard support from the very lowest end now and Apple Pencil support down there as well. And then you have iPad OS more aggressively transforming the platform, hopefully year to year with new features. Kind of how do you view this having kind of evolved since 2015? Again, my, my fear or concern here is that it sort of ends up in a scenario where you have the full flexibility of the computer in just a slightly different way on the iPad. And the, that whole trend is removing one of the really great uh, advantages of the iPad as I experienced it when working full-time with it when it comes to focus and, and really be able to focus on, on one thing at a time and do that really super well. So I guess that means that you'll need to uh, find some more personal discipline in terms of how you use your, your computer or your iPad um, to sort of uh, take advantage of, uh, of the focus that an iPad still can bring. 
And then anything we didn't cover that you'd like to before we wrap it up? Just uh, to mention uh, the fact that based on the Medium article I wrote back then, Apple did call. And I had a really funny, interesting uh, sort of research call with them where they were exploring how people were starting to use um, iPads as primary computers back then. That was a fun little experience working uh, directly with, with Apple there. I think it, it just sort of um, impressed me a little that they were open enough to take in user feedback so directly back then based on just one Medium article. That was uh, that was nice. Excellent. Yeah, that's very interesting. And it's good to hear that Apple is actually having those discussions with users and finding what works and what doesn't work. And for those that want to find that article, just search for making an iPad Pro my primary computer. And it is not a test and it should come up right away in DuckDuckGo or Google or whatever you use. Then any places you want to highlight of where they can find the software you work on or any Twitter users you uh, manage? Uh, yeah, so my own Twitter uh, is Rasmus Gelden. You'll need to look up how to spell that, of course. It's uh, it's hard to, to do, but uh, that's where, where I communicate with the world. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Rasmus. I really appreciate it. And it's been just fascinating hearing your experience with the iPad and yeah, your take on everything. Great talking to you. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks again to Rasmus for his time recording this interview. And thanks for your time listening to this episode. Thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Go to Agenda.com to learn more and download the app today for free on iPad, iPhone, and the Mac. As a reminder, you can get episodes early and extra bonus content at Patreon.com slash iPad Pros. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet in Apple Podcasts, head over there and leave a review. Every review goes a really long way in helping others discover the show. With that said, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to everyone again real soon.